Good heavens. Are you still trying to win? You've got an overdeveloped sense of vengeance. It's going to get you into trouble someday. Hello, my name is Pappy Montoya. I'm here with my mother. Prepare to spoil. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> That's good. It's a good one. It's great. This is Spoilers. Hey, everybody. Welcome to one of the most special episodes of Spoilers. It's a Patreon request, and we've done that before. We've had the Patreon come on before, but for the first time ever, my mother... Nurse Stacy is on the podcast. Give yes. it up for Nurse Stacy. Thank you, guys. Oh, you got the soundboard. Thanks for the welcome. I'm excited. She is a pure woman. She listens. <laughs> she listens through the podcast. She says that she's listened to every episode of Spoilers in the last five years. So maybe one of our truest fans. Oh, cool. absolutely. I haven't missed a single one. <laughs> um, and you had an opening question, Mom. Do you want to let the boys know what you wanted to ask? Sure. So this movie has great side characters um, that really, in my mind, make the movie great. So I'm wondering what side characters in any movie that you like um, can you think of that really elevate the movie or make the movie stand out to you? We'll go east to west. Brett, you want to go first? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, this is Brett recording out of uh, Fort Wayne. I'm going to bring up a movie that I don't know if I've ever brought up on spoilers before. It's a little movie called Grandma's Boy. And we've talked about that so much. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever brought it up. <laughs> no, I'm pretty, pretty sure it's the first time. Nurse Stacy can back me up. I've never talked about Grandma's Boy. Um, I think the character of Jeff really makes that movie. It goes from a good movie to a great movie because of it, and JP. But don't be mad at us. That's all I got. Jeff, Grandma's Boy. You heard it nice. here first. Who's next, Isis? Is it Steve? Josh? It's Josh? a constant battle for Isisness. <laughs> They're fighting I'll, for territory. I'll take it. That's fine. I feel like I have a bit of a wordy answer, but Nurse Stacy, I love this question because I've always thought side characters are honestly one of the most important things of any storytelling, um, books, TV, movies, whatever that may be. Uh, I would guess that the listener, if you could just think of like your few favorite media things, you would start realizing how memorable all the star side characters are. And I think part of that is because young guns, it like rich side characters help the main character become more fleshed out essentially. But anyway, um, I'll say I'm going to do a Brett here and name a couple quick ones. I think <laughs> with Aladdin, the genie is such a strong side character. He mm. became, he like ate up the whole movie. Um. Uh, I love Sirius Black from Harry Potter, just like in it for a little bit, but he seems to do like 
every perfect thing except die. Uh, and then finally, Star Wars, C-3PO, Anthony Daniels, former really? King of Spoilers. <laughs> king of Spoilers. For, former King, I believe. But he has to have a shout out here as a side character. They appear in like every Star Wars media there is. Always C-3PO. It's a good list. Mom, I think you're actually next Eastus. We're sitting next to each other. I think as the crow flies, you're Eastus. I'm so me. sorry for really? saying so many. I don't like doing that, guys. But well, this I, is I, awesome. I have a list. say my name. <laughs> okay, so I've, I've wanted to say this for a long time. Hi, this is Nurse Stacy reporting from, or recording, either one, from Kalamazoo. Um, okay, so... Anyone who knows me really well knows that I have two favorite movies in the whole world, other than Christmas movies. Those are those don't count. Those are always my favorites. But it's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? and The Princess Bride. So I have to choose someone from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And that is Charles Durning, who plays Pappy O'Daniel. Is that why you name me Pappy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall naming you. Is you is. That is an acquired name sometime uh. in your college years. But, oh yeah, I mean, I think Pappy O'Daniel just, he's just essential to that movie. And I can't picture anyone else playing him. And then for um, The Princess Bride, it has to be Vicini. Um, Wallace Shawn, I think is his name. Yep. And I, you know, he's just amazing. And I, I laugh just looking at him before he ever <laughs> says anything. And I just can't imagine anyone else playing that character. So those are my two top ones. Inconceivable. A Brett list from mom. Multiple <laughs> no. answers. Why no mashed potatoes and corn? Wow. <laughs> Wait, that's Josh. Josh said that. I don't think so, Brett. <laughs> I think Nurse Stacy would know. Brett, she's a super fan. Um, so I'm, I'm technically a little bit weaster of my mom. Um, I had a couple, a couple spoilers ones that we've done. Jeffrey Tambor and Jeff and uh, Death of Stalin. Oh. hilarious in that movie. <laughs> yeah. No problem. Um, <laughs> my, my second one is Steve. I hope you appreciate this one. Charles Grodin and Clifford. Like, oh, dude. He's not the main character, but Groan's a god in that movie. He is so freaking hilarious in his descent into Talk madness. Talk like a human boy. <laughs> yeah. Like a real boy. But yeah, those are those are my two. Um, who's next? Mikey? I think it's me. Oh, Stevie, sorry. Okay, I'm going to name three. And these are like, some are sides and some are like side sides. I'll go the side side first. Um, John Beasley, who played Coach Warren in the movie Rudy. Yeah. Um, he's mm. the coach that's talking to like the walk-ons that are trying out during like the tryout sequence when Rudy's like, I can do it, coach. <laughs> I don't know why, but like his voice is so outstanding in that voiceover and in those scenes. Not a mighty piece of 
I yeah, exactly. I think he absolutely crushes that role. The other one I had was um, Richard Castellano, who played Clemenza in The Godfather. Yeah. Um, I mean, he has so many iconic lines in that movie. And my last side character, I had to name it. I feel stupid if I didn't. Would be Gary Busey in Point Break, <laughs> who played Agent. Uh, <laughs> I, I I have to Gary name Gary Busey. Just Gary Busey. He's a great side character. I mean, he's yeah. just a great side character in general. But in Point Break, he really. It's a home run in that movie. So I'll go with those three. Stevie. What's his name? Agent Angelo. Side characters, you might almost say that Gary Busey wrote wrote the book. Ah, different Ah, guy. It's Nick Nolte. Maybe not. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that is Nick. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Same difference. (laughs) They are the same guy. Future Patreon requested episode coming soon mikey uh yeah i think i have a couple here uh i've only seen this movie once but this side character stuck out so much to me uh adam driver and inside lewin davis Ooh, uh, yeah. as al cody just outer the- space <laughs> yeah. that, ju- that scene just caught me so off guard i i love it and i thought it was so funny uh just a really funny cameo uh, another, uh, well, for TV shows, I thought Jack Donaghy was always such a great yeah. side character at Elizabeth awesome. and I thought he was one of the best TV characters of all time. Just so funny. Loved, uh, every line he said was so sharp. So those are my two. Mom, what a great opening question. Spoilers lore hey, came out. Yeah. Can I name one more? Absolutely. I feel like this is an ultimate side character, and I think you'll appreciate this because not everybody has seen this movie, but Daniel Craig and Logan Lucky steals the show. That's a good one. That is an amazing side character. Yeah, that's a good one. His best Southern accent performance. And yes, I know he's in the Knives Out movies. (laughs) One more for me, Cousin Eddie in the Vacation movies. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's fucking great. For for Um, all my uh, basketball fans, Squeak Scolari is the best. And don't forget about the traffic in the movie Lock. (laughs) That is a really good side side character. character. On that note, I had the great side character for any Christopher Nolan movie is his brain. But I didn't really have time to use that joke. Thank you. Kevin Garnett in Uncut Gems. Oh. Yeah, great opening question, Mom. I do want to ask you, since we have you, we don't usually have Patreons on, why did you choose Princess Bride? Just because it's one of your favorite movies? Did it have anything to do with the special event that we went to last weekend? Oh, well, actually, I think I chose the movie before the special event. Yeah, like three years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) It's okay. I said, you guys, it's okay. Do your other ones first. I'm I'm all right with that. Very generous. Yeah, we went to um, South Bend to the Morris Performing Arts Center, Morris Theater. I'm not sure what it's called. Beautiful redone theater. And we watched the movie on a big screen, um, but the screen was on the stage. So it wasn't big screen like you're in a movie theater, so it was a little bit of a distance away, and the acoustics weren't perfect, but since everyone in the theater 
was a major fan of the Princess Bride, <laughs> the audience was saying the lines. So if you couldn't hear <laughs> what was on the screen, then you could. People were chiming in, and it was really a fun atmosphere because you know people were applauding. And Yeah, what was the loudest, like craziest the crowd went? Oh, Anybody want a peanut? I think. Oh yeah, was that on. was so what? early on. Yeah. <laughs> I want my father back. I thought got a roaring applause. That did too. Yeah. That was yeah. like oh, the I revenge. thought that really uh -huh. brought the house down. Mm -hmm. Have fun storming the castle. That was a pretty big one too. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it was just sprinkled throughout the whole movie. Yeah, and then afterwards, um, the person who plays Wesley. Carrie Elwes, I think is how you say Elwes, his name. Elwes, yeah. Elwes, yeah. Um, he did a little Q&A with, I think it was a reporter. Yeah, maybe, some from one local of the, reporter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had some set questions that he answered. And then I think they had a couple of questions from the audience that were written down on paper. It was it was a kind of a short Q&A. Mm-hmm. But it was still interesting to hear his his stories about injuries on the set. And he told some stories about Andre the Giant that were hilarious. I wish I could remember them. I can't. But <laughs> it, it was just really, it was entertaining. Mm -hmm. It was a, a fun, different way to watch the movie. Beloved movie by everyone who is in attendance. Stevie, you were there. What? Before we get into the plot, why do you think The Princess Bride has been so endearing? to people. They didn't do super great at the box office. It kind of caught on in home rentals sales. What, what is it that draws people to this movie? I mean, you and I talk about like four quad movies all the time, right? Like four quadrant movies. Yeah. Can you explain what that means? To so four quadrant movie is literally a movie for all ages. Mm -hmm. um, and this really is a movie for all ages. And I think it's just a timeless movie too. There's no like technology in it. It's a fantasy it's a romantic, you know, kind of fairy tale. It's a revenge, you know, kind of plot in there as well. It appeals to a lot of people. And the humor is timeless. You know, and it really brought me back in the, th in the theater when I was, you know, you'd hear the jokes and just hearing the crowd like laugh at those jokes. They've heard a million times, but they're still funny. I think this movie just truly is timeless. I have the breakdown of the quadrants here. It's just interesting to maybe hear out loud if you guys don't mind really quick. Yeah. yeah. F first quadrant, males under 25. Second quadrant, females under 25. And then as you might guess, third quadrant, male over 25. Fourth, female over 25. So pretty simple, but there you that's go. it. Jeez. We're all third and fourth quadrant folk now. <laughs> We're dead. Sad day. Tough stuff. <laughs> no, mostly dead. Mostly, mostly dead. dead. And there's a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, I think a big part of this movie that makes it digestible, and I think something that helped Fred this Savage. movie go down easy when I was a little kid was your boy. Fred Savage. Kevin Arnold. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk <laughs> about him a little Arnold. bit? The rapper around this movie? Oh, man. He... I've mentioned this like short film called Dinosaurs. It's like this educational thing with Fred Savage right around this time that came out. And it's interesting because it has a very similar setup. He's like stressed out about school, stuck in his room, and the story kind of happens around him while he narrates and it kind of kicks back to him and his mom 
It's kind of a sarcastic kid that's cynical. Um, I love Fred Savage, and I feel like he's, if I remember the news correctly, he's possibly made some mistakes recently. But <laughs> in battle, I, Fred Savage. I really, I, I really liked him growing up. What can I say? And even into Austin Powers, more character. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Pappy, yeah, he. It's the set is so like over the top simplistic, actually for this like bedroom scene within him and his grandpa, isn't it? It's almost like a parody of a grandpa telling a kid a story or something. Are you catching that at all? Mm-hmm. He's got a sick bedroom. Yeah, I was gonna say. Awesome bedroom. Most 90s bedroom ever. 80s. Or mm-hmm. 80s bedroom. I mean, that's when last time the bears were good. Any in the bedroom stand out to you, Mikey, that you like? Uh, he's just got a bunch of posters, lots of cars and stuff, uh, toys all over the place. It's it looks like how uh, a drawing of like a messy kid's room would be. <laughs> like it's very, I don't know, uh, lots of tropes going on in there, lots of nostalgia tropes. Can I take this kind of to the end though, Pep? Yeah, please. This or is spoilers. Well, I just think that like the movie does like a pretty genius thing at the end is pretty smart and ties it all together and there's like I don't know this kind of hidden thing about how like maybe men don't like to say like I love you to each other and so he like uses this whole story for the as you wish line at the end which transcodes as I love you to his Mm. grandson Um, I don't think it's like that much of a thinker or I'm breaking any new ground by saying this but that I thought that was pretty powerful and it's, it's so simple too or something mm-hmm. and I think this movie could almost be a little cheesy if it didn't have those like cut-ins with Fred Savage right like it would just be a hard setup right like even the way that the story is told it's it's this grandpa kind of skipping around in this book telling his grandson his favorite story, right? When he's homesick from work. I brought you a special present. What is it? Open it up. A book? That's right. When I was your age, television was called books. And this is a special book. It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today, I'm going to read it to you. It's got any sports in it? Are you kidding? Fencing, fighting, torture, revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, miracles. Doesn't sound too bad. Brett, let's get into the story. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Wesley and Buttercup and what's going on? Yeah, uh, I don't have... uh, So she's... I don't know if she's got money or whatever, but she lives on a farm and he's a farm boy. And it's kind of like how children act when they like each other. Uh, you know, she's like doing the equivalent of 
pulling hair or whatever. She just treats him poorly, but like she obviously likes him. It blossoms into love. And he pretty much just says, as you wish. Nothing gave Buttercup as much pleasure as ordering Wesley around. Fine boy, polish my horse's saddle. I want to see my face shining in it by morning. As you wish. As you wish was all he ever said. Farm boy, fill these with water. Please. As you wish. That day she was amazed to discover that when he was saying as you wish, what he meant was, I love you. And then, you know, we don't really know if they get freaky naughty off screen or not, but so he wants to marry her. So he just goes off to make some money so he can come back and provide for her. As you wish. We have, we have nurse Stacy on this pod, Brett. How dare you? Yeah. Sir? Yeah. I promise you. I won't say the worst things today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, Stevie, I don't know if you remember it, but Nurse Stacy was the school nurse at a neighboring school, and she gave us like the sex video talk or something, <laughs> the growth and development video back in Great sixth times. grade. <laughs> that was one of the cutest things ever, is to see you boys sitting in the chairs, Drew was front row. <laughs> <laughs> Our changing bodies awesome. by yeah. my mom. <laughs> did, did, did you learn about more in seventh grade from my mom? Yeah, actually, yeah, a lot of a lot of growth and development from mothers from this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> thank, thank God I didn't have to do that. So, <laughs> a lot of lore tonight. Yeah, it's like Deep the whole psychology lore. behind making a podcast is to please your mothers, after all, or something. Sometimes a podcast is just a podcast. Sigmund Freud, Josh, I wouldn't worry <laughs> too much about it. Okay. Uh, we meet three of, I think, Mom, this might have been why you asked this question, but three of the best side characters, maybe in any movie, they introduce themselves as lost circus performers. Um, Mikey, were there any of the three um, would-be kidnappers that stood out to you, or who was your favorite of these? Uh, well, one for sure stands out, and that is Andre the Giant. <laughs> um, just a be- hulking beast of a man, and he do- I think he does a great job. He's a little hard to understand, but that's just how he talks. But um, he's really funny, and everybody's great in this movie. Uh, uh, Mandy Patinkin has probably the best side side uh, story yeah. quest oh, going yeah. on, mm-hmm. and Vizic uh, is just an all around creep. Uh, <laughs> or, no, not what's his name? Vizini. Vizini. Yeah. Vizini. Yeah. Polish He's just on. an all around creep. But uh, I was surprised that he died so early. I've only seen this movie about one time, but I don't remember him dying halfway through. So. <laughs> Uh, it's a little shocking. Um, yeah, they're all great. I love all the characters in this. Vecini's only in like 30 minutes. Yeah, so not very much that. at all. M- Mikey, A, he's got like giantism out of the giant, so he sounds bad, but he's also got a ridiculously thick French like accent, so it makes it really hard to understand. He's definitely mm-hmm. a subtitles guy. Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever heard like French. more about Andre the Giant? Oh, yeah. Like, 
Yeah. But he would drink like 150 beers a day or some shit like well, that. Well, if you wanted to get drunk, you had to drink a bunch. He drank a bunch of bottles of wine. Love like, his it's wine. It's one of the bad things about his his back. I, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it, but like his back was so bad during this movie. He like literally couldn't lift anything. And one of the problems was he was like hard, if not impossible, to do surgery on because the amount of anesthesia that he would need, I mean, like you had to get it right or it could kill him. Could kill a bull. D- yeah. yeah. Operation Dumbo. Mm. But he's also apparently like a total sweetheart. People really loved him on set. And yeah, his last decade of life was kind of poor. His back, just because his back hurt so bad. I think it's probably a year before this, or maybe like the year this came out, was when like he pretty much had to stop wrestling because his back was so bad. Oh, yeah. And that's like when Hulk Hogan took off. Because Andre was pretty much wrestling. And then. And if you see him in his, like, his 20s, he was a freak athlete. Yeah. It's just kind of sad. His back was yeah. really bad. I mean, like, I wouldn't be you shocked if they were, like, it. hauling him around on set with, like, those things you move refrigerators with, honestly. They said they had to drive, like, a golf court cart of him around. Yeah. Um, just because he just couldn't really walk very mm-hmm. well. We are but poor, lost circus performers. Is there a village nearby? There is nothing nearby. Not for miles. Then there will be no one to hear you scream. Can I ask a question about these three mm-hmm. side characters? I I feel like I maybe I've maybe seen the movie the least out of everyone here. And maybe there's something I'm missing, but like why is Vizzini so evil? versus like Andre and Montoya. Like why is he he's so ready to like kill and murder and scheme? I don't know. It's a tough world, but the other guys truly have good hearts. He's ready to poison well, someone. I, I, let me let me take my first opinion. One is he chose this life because he had the means and everything like that to me. The other two, he makes a point of saying they were desperate. So they took job for money and for work. But they're not bad people, but Vicini chose this life, so he's probably just a bad dude. And he's arrogant. And his job is war starter? Just <laughs> yeah. <he's> Dick Cheney. <laughs> just is he working for one side or the other? John Bolton. Yeah, he was hired by the king, uh, Humperdink. Prince Prince Humperdink. My mom asked a really good question before we started. Why does Prince Humperdink want to start a war? Stevie, any any Stevie answer? Stevie question to that? Um, to get oil? That's, that's your land, I think. It's got to feed the I war mean, machine, man. WMDs and... I mean, it's a moneymaker, right? <laughs> the Florian Military <laughs> Industrial Complex. Gorleon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, war is profitable. <laughs> like, think about all the blacksmith and armsmen and all, those, all that money flowing. It's just economy. Well, I think he wanted to start a war anyway. He just wanted an excuse for it. That's all. Mm-hmm. He probably just wanted to get more land, like get more riches yeah. and more power you know, off this buttercup so he can go have his fun with many a maidens. It's kind of a cool plot point, though, right? That like it's a little bit complex that he's trying to start a war. You know, he's not trying to save his princess or anything. He's got deeply sinister ideas. I like, think he, until uh, that end bit. scene where he like sits down in the chair and like gives up because he's like not brave. I think before mm-hmm. that scene, I would have been convinced that he wanted to start a war because he's kind of like a badass. 
right? He can hunt people down. He probably wants that's, to like. That's the comedic yeah. part of it, dude. That's he wants. He wants to kill people. <laughs> He's like uh, the fucking CSI guy at the beginning of the show, just finding all those clues and drawing conclusions to <laughs> crazy shit. <laughs> He's like Vigo Mortensen and. Uh, two towers when they're chasing down <laughs> the hobbits. There was a hobbit here. <laughs> I love the little music that plays. Like every time he rides off after one of the crime scenes, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what about when he uh, jumps onto his horse's back? Dude, I thought <laughs> about that. Smashes like his the nuts. Theater, I was like, oh my God, that had to hurt so bad. <laughs> if Andre the Giant did that, he would literally kill a horse. <laughs> like, Snap not- it in half. You don't want some horse meat? Yeah. Dude, I was wondering when someone did do an impression. Inigo <laughs> 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 Montoya, I, I don't know, Stevie. I was... Watching this back, I think Manny Patinkin is like maybe the best performance in this whole movie. He's a great actor in this, He's isn't he? He's freaking amazing. And I was listening to him sing too, like just on YouTube. I, I was listening to him sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. The man's got pipes. Like, He's a what very a talented, talented dude. dude. And like, he's kind of on the level, same as like Wesley. These are really like rich characters. But like the amount of like comedy that uh, um, he has to do, as well as like dramatic as well as like serious it's like lightheartedness in there as well it's like he's asked to do a lot of heavy lifting in this movie same as Carrie L. West like he's a really mm-hmm. good actor and is very physical they're both <laughs> doing their own stunts clearly yeah the sword fight is 100% the two of them like except for when Wesley does that ridiculous like <laughs> gymnastics flip <laughs> <laughs> But they're like really fighting with their left hand and right hand and stuff. I think it looks great. I, oh, it's I think amazing. it's an awesome, it's such an awesome scene. Mm-hmm. It's not only awesome because the chore- choreography, but also like you guys are kind of hinting at the transformation of Montoya from what you presume to be kind of this like mercenary dick. Like he has this transformation as uh, our main character is trying to like climb up the side of the cliff, right? I don't know. Their banter there is so good and classic. I, it might be one of my favorite parts yeah. of my mo- the movie for me, actually. From from the moment he gets, he starts talking to Inigo on the rope, to the moment that he kills Bassini is to me is like fifteen minute masterclass in like uh, conflict, but keeping it quirky dialogue. It's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable filmmaking. This is one mm-hmm. like the sword fight too is one part in the when I was thinking about this in the theaters like. During the fight, I wish they actually had subtitles because they're talking about sword fighting the entire time. And it's actually really funny when you watch it back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You seem a decent fellow. I hate to kill you. You seem a decent fellow. I hate to die. Begin. Like the different moves. <laughs> the different and moves you're talking yeah. about and like oh, kind really, of apparently. just like anticipating what they're gonna be doing. Like it's like the one time I was like, I really wish we had subtitles here. Dude, and some of the shit they do is like insane. Like it like uh Inigo Montoya like goes between his legs to like parry a couple blows and then he just throws his sword up in the air and does like a twirly bird and like catches it and stuff. It's just it's just awesome. It's just That's so a classic insane. move. That's everybody <laughs> uses that one. <laughs> You're using Bonetti's defense against me, huh? I thought it fitting, considering the rocky terrain. Naturally. You must expect me to attack with Capafero. Naturally. But I find that Tibble cancels out Capafero. Don't you? 
Unless the enemy has a study, he's a gripper. Which I have. Andre the Andre the Giant uh, goes down in a wrestling match. Um, not really holding up Carrie Elvis there at all. His back was terribly yeah, tough. Yeah, you him kind of like as mm-hmm. if you pay attention. But, but he's got M- this MMA fight. Like we need a Joe Rogan to to like go live <laughs> and commentate this fight. <laughs> Andre the Giant taps. He, his innocence does like really show through. They're like, I don't know if that's like him as a person. I, I don't know if he's like that good of an actor, but he's like the true definition of a gentle giant. He just he's oh, yeah. this big, yeah. huge sweetheart guy. But mom, I want to throw to you the Battle of Wits. Can you tell it's us a little so bit good. about the Battle of Wits? Oh, the Iocane powder. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, um. They have Buttercup, and Vicini is all Vicini is all set up with two goblets, and he has Iocane powder. And Wesley, who is still dressed up like the Dread Pirate Roberts, um, is there on scene too. Then, and they have this battle of wits back and forth, and the banter is so good, um, and it. it Turns out that Wesley, can I spoil it? Yeah, this is spoilers. Okay. So Wesley has built up a tolerance to Iocane powder, so it didn't matter which goblet it was in, but Vizzini didn't know that, and he thought he was tricking Wesley into drinking a poisonous goblet so that Wesley would die, and then Vizzini could continue to kidnap Buttercup. Well... They both drank from their goblets and Wesley didn't die because there was poison in both, but Wesley was immune to the Iocane powder. So that is the scene that Vicini died. And I, I tell you, it's just classic. The quotes just from that scene are hilarious. And I think that scene is probably what why I picked him as being one of the best side characters in in my mind in any of my favorite movies because he just acts it so well. And yeah, so that's the scene. Mm-hmm. One of the classic blunders, never get involved in a land war. It's <laughs> <laughs> <just> so good. <laughs> I mean, this movie is so full of quotes. I watching it back because I haven't seen it for a couple of years, probably. Um, and, and just watching it back, I was shocked at how many quotes I use all the time. You know, I okay, so I'm a nurse, but I do use mostly dead, but not in the <laughs> clinical setting. <laughs> sorry, your but, child is mostly sorry, dead. Oh yeah, my wanna, gosh. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's just. So many great quotes from this movie. You guessed wrong. You only think I guessed wrong. That's what's so funny. I switched glasses when your back was turned. Ha <laughs> ha, you fool. You fell victim to one of the classic blunders. 
the most famous is never get involved in a land war in Asia. But only slightly less well-known is this. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> Who are you? I'm no one to be trifled with. That is all you ever need know. To think, all that time it was your cup that was poisoned. They were both poisoned. I spent the last few years building up an immunity to Iocane powder. I have something about this. I think that George, George Costanza's character, written by Larry David, played by Jason Alexander, had stole something from Vizzini two years later when they started Seinfeld. Yeah, I see a lot of that. <laughs> Uh, in the rage and in the evilness and the baldness, <laughs> the shortness, there's a lot there. The, the male pattern baldness, yeah. The, but this has the dialogue mm. reminds me of like Larry David Seinfeld, definitely comedic timing dialogue because it's directed His, by Rob Reiner and he's like, yeah, I don't know, he's one of those guys that has that ability to to make snappy witty dialogue like that. The way he's like physically moving around too, he's very physical whenever he's talking. But Nurse Stacy. Nurse yes. Stacy, <laughs> what's the viability of this Iocane powder building a tolerance up? Like, could that actually happen? What's is there a real life equivalent of this? I have no idea. <laughs> I, oh. I I truly have no idea. <laughs> I think you can. But I want to believe that it's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. it. It's just a great scene in the movie, but. I have no idea. This is a perfect movie without any flaws. But the one thing that's always kind of bothered me is later on Humperdinck smells the Iocane powder, which is supposed yeah. to be odorless and colorless. He's like, Iocane powder. I'd bet my life on it. Like, based on the lack of <laughs> I'd smell. I'd bet my life on it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. He's that good. Buttercup realizes that this dread pirate Roberts is actually her lover, Wesley. And they go rolling down the hill. It's like one of the best physical comedy bits of the whole movie. <laughs> Mikey, you're the practical effect, effects guy. I think the set in the fire swamp is freaking amazing. I think it looks great. Were, it, were any of the three terrors that stood out to you, any that you particularly liked? Oh, is it a... Uh... Yeah, the set the set is definitely amazing, but I think uh, one of the three tears that sticks out is the R O U S. R O U S is yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Rodents of unusual size, yeah. uh, <laughs> which is basically a smaller man in a rat suit. Oh yeah. Wrestling with uh, Wesley, and it's pretty funny. But uh, there's lots of other stuff going on too. There's uh, also flames coming up from the ground. Just general spooky forest stuff, you know. Creepy crawlies and it's quicksand. Quicksand, yeah. Yeah. Can someone explain how they do that? Like the effect? How she falls in like that? Is it water? Just yeah. I I'm- I think there was like a trap door involved, but it's really Carrie Elwes like diving into it. I'm not 100 percent sure how it works, but Rob Reiner was saying on the commentary that's like it was a very dangerous stunt, and like this trap door thing was like right by his head as he's jumping mm. in. But I, I have no idea. It looks great. Yeah, he's diving head first. This looks great. Like when she falls in too, it looks great. I just, it's crazy. I don't, don't know how they do that. Why did that rat come up and like smell the rope 
and then like move along. I thought he was going to start gnawing on it and create some tension, but he just moves along. Yeah. No one remembers that little beat. Rat just <laughs> It's so weird. <laughs> they just want to show the man in the suit a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Yeah, apparently those are like time bandits in the suits who are crawling around. And I, I don't know, I think they look pretty cool. Yeah. Adios, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Plus that you know, with the rat sniffing the rope, that fills in some of the time that they're underneath the quicksand. Yeah, because otherwise we would just be looking at plain surface quicksand. Mm -hmm. So the rat comes along and then wanders off and then they burst back out. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. Classic Star Wars line. So quotable, just like like the Princess Bride. Have you seen? (laughs) (laughs) My mom's giving me a look like she has no idea what I'm talking about. It's okay, it's from a Star Wars. (laughs) It's not a good one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stevie, though, can you tell us a little bit about the pit of despair oh, no. where Wesley's then captured after he leaves the fire swamp? It has one of like my favorite like jokes of the entire movie. What is that guy's name? The gruff, um, uh, the, the voice in the clearing. Yeah, so and he starts off like this. I think they just it, call him the albino. Yeah, with the albino. Yeah, it's it, one of my favorite albino. parts of the whole movie is when he wakes him up and he's like, you're in the pit of despair. And then he does that cough and, and he goes, okay, here's what you actually are. It's a great joke. I mean, that's a fan. I actually really like the set design of this sequence oh, yeah. a lot. It's probably my favorite set design, especially with... I mean, you can tell it's a stage or it's in a warehouse, but it's just fun. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's shot really chaotically, especially like when Wesley is getting the, um, he gets taken to 50 with his like years taken off his life, but it just looks great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's going on with that? Is he going to die early now? I always wonder that, but I'm starting to think that Mad Max puts the life back in him. That's at least how look, I like to think of it. He's going to look like the uh, grandpa like a year from now. <laughs> I thought that little coffee bean he ate was just enough caffeine for like one day, basically. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like he falls off his horse. He's going to look like Billy Crystal <laughs> tomorrow. What disease maybe. is 50 years? That's like a really bad disease, guys. That's not good. And we lived happily ever after for the next 12 hours. <laughs> you truly love each other, and so you might have been truly happy. Not one couple in a century has that chance, no matter what the storybooks say. And so I think no man in a century will suffer as greatly as you will. Not to 50! Scale is so insane and surprising because he's like, we'll start at one and maybe we'll get to five someday. And I thought it went up to 10 total 
But somehow he just shoves it up to 50. 50. <laughs> I was shocked. Pap, are you, are you going to, like, I feel like we're doing a disservice. I feel like a really underrated person in this movie is Christopher Guest. I think he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, he's so dry and he's amazing when he's talking in the pit of despair. And I just feel like if we don't talk about him, I'll be sad. No, talk this the six fingered man, right? That's who yeah. you're you're talking Mi- about. Mr. Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis's husband. Really? Like st- they're still married? Yeah, they've been married stuff? for almost almost forty years. Wow. That's pretty he's awesome. like a I mean, he's like a a pretty famous writer. He did like a spinal tap and uh, Mighty Wind and all those all those movies with Eugene Levy. Best in show. Best in show, yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's like a, a guy in his own right. Spinal Tap. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't direct that one because I think that was Rob Reiner. But, yeah, I think he wrote that. But either way, he's the these, these go to 11 guy. So That's why it goes to 50. So another version of going to 11. <laughs> they should have made a joke. I mean, it wouldn't have worked, but, like, it's, it's a, it goes from 0 to 11. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Like a spinal tap joke? Is that what you're saying? Mm. And he'd be like, why does it go to 11? And he goes, these go to 11. I don't know. It, it you know what would have been weird, funny, but- Brett? If 1 through 10 were just like marked by inch by inch, and then like 25 inches up is where 11 <laughs> was. So he <laughs> still has to raise it that <laughs> yes, same amount. you're right. Yeah. That would be really, really funny. Uh, yeah, no, he's uh, either six-fingered man. He's, uh, I wouldn't, I don't know if he's a psychopath, but he's definitely a, a sadist. So, wait. He comes in yeah, his sadist. pants. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Whoa, oh, there's Stacy's on the. <laughs> yeah, that she was taught a us slip. about that in school. <laughs> She's not me explain that. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> when he turns it up to fifty, he's like, "Ooh." <laughs> well, he's the true villain in the he's movie. He's the bad guy. He's like a yeah. the he, most he's evil the, guy. The bad, bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his, I don't know, all of the costumes look great. I love his costumes, though. He's in a lot of yellow and stuff. Apparently, this was the same costume designers like Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago, like, did this movie, too. So, pretty amazing costumes. And also, Brett, since you mentioned Spinal Tap, a little off topic, but I want to bring this up. Is this not like an all-time hot streak for directors that Rob Reiner's on at this point? This Rick Runny's on is Stand by me in there, right, too? Wow. I think it's Spinal Tap. Stand by Me, Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, When Harry Met Sally, Misery and a Few Good Men. Like yeah, what a fucking wow. run of movies. What did he end it with, Pap? What did he end it with? North. There we go. <laughs> then he that? never yeah, made a great movie a, again. That's a bad one, yeah. Yeah. Good heavens. Are you still trying to win? You've got an overdeveloped sense of vengeance. It's going to get you into trouble someday. One more thing about Christopher Guest, though. He does spare Inigo Montoya when he's a baby or whatever, right? Yeah, it's I don't know if he's a baby. He said he was some he 10 or 11. 11. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and he leaves the sword, too, for him to keep. What's up with that, Stevie? That's a great Stevie question. What's that? Why do you why do you spare him for? He's bad. He's the big evil. Probably doesn't kill kids. Ah, Josh wouldn't have spared him. 
No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, when you're old enough one day, come and find me and I'll kill you then. But if not, live with this pain. Yeah, he didn't kill him, but he scarred him. Yeah. He cut oh, yeah. both cheeks. Literally and figuratively. This is Josh. <laughs> yeah, Josh is like, I don't understand right. why I wouldn't kill this Time kid. Time to kill the 11-year-old. <laughs> I can't wrap my mind around that. I almost feel like Count Rugen, he's so evil that he let him live just for the chance that he could like do that scene where he'd be like, oh, this is so funny that you tracked me down for so long and I got to kill you anyway. Like he's that sadistic. I don't know. Maybe Playing not. the long game. Ooh, Rob Reiner has a big movie coming up. Spinal Tap 2. Spinal Tap 2. That's insane. The... Everyone signed on. The... I don't know. <laughs> Do you think it'll be good? Absolutely not. Oh, <laughs> wow, that's that's pretty crazy. By the way, I've seen this movie like a million times. This is one we grew up with. Had the VHS. Do they say the six-fingered man's name in the movie? Like you said, it was Count Rugen or something. I never knew that. Like until I was doing research for this pod. They call him the Count a couple times, don't they? Yeah. They say his first name. I think they no. Uh, Anigo Matoya definitely says his name um, when they're getting ready to storm the castle. I think when he's in actually in there, but they definitely mm. say his first name, which is just a weird name for him. But what's his name? Tyrone. <laughs> I think it's Tyrone. Yeah, Count Tyrone Rugen. <laughs> Only one who calls him that is Humper. Wait, what? Yeah, it's Tyrone. <laughs> what? Wow. It's rewatch, rewatch it. He goes, you, you know how much I love watching the theater when they said Tyrone. Your work, Tyrone. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great joke. That is really funny. It's a great joke. I don't know if I caught that. So like we mentioned, Wesley is mostly dead. And to bring him back to life, Inigo and what's his name? Andre the Giant? What's his character's name? Bezik. Bezik. Take him to Miracle Max. Stevie, I thought Billy Crystal got some of the biggest laughs in the whole movie. Did you tell us what Miracle Max, what happens in his shed? First off. I know this happened in that theater because it happened next to me, but I know it happened theater wide. Is when someone leans over to the person next to them and goes, That's Billy Crystal. <laughs> like, yeah. it never fails. But, um, yeah, I. <laughs> Miracle Max, and um, I'm guessing his wife, right? Carol Kane. Played by Carol Kane. Valerie. Yeah, played by Carol Kane, are on a mission to bring uh, Wesley back to life. Even though he's mostly dead, uh, they're trying to bring him back to life. I'm trying to remember the jokes that Blake Crystal was throwing in there, but I just remember it was really fast and snappy. And it was, it was, Pap, do you remember any quotes he had? I just remember he says he likes a nice MLT, like mutton, yes. lettuce, and tomato <laughs> or something. I think the most underrated joke is what my brother and I used to laugh at is when he goes, yeah, like true love is, but he goes, he obviously said to blave, which everyone knows is to bluff. I think that's <laughs> freaking so funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Just like his accent, like his New York like accent that he has is <laughs> so silly. Like, yeah. have fun storming the castle, classic line. Liar! <laughs> happening, 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 happening. <laughs> That's a miracle pill. The chocolate coating makes it go down easier, but you have to wait 15 minutes for full potency. And you shouldn't go in swimming after for at least what? An, an hour. Yeah, an a hour. good hour. Yeah. Thank you for everything. Okay. Bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. Think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bye-bye. After Miracle Max's shed, the boys are now trying to break into the castle. They have, they have a two-fold mission. Inigo Montoya wants to kill the man who killed his father. And Wesley wants to save Buttercup. Brett, can you tell us a little bit about their plan to get in the castle and, and how this goes down here? Yeah, so, um, again, one of the brilliant things about this movie is they use tropes and uh, things that are used a lot, but they, they do them so well and so perfectly. Like, it's almost like a, a joke where it's like if only we had a, what is it, a res- what is it, a resurrection cloak? Something? Holocaust cloak? Yeah, Holocaust I cloak. Think? I knew it's a religious word. Why didn't you list that among our assets in the first place? What I wouldn't give for a Holocaust cloak. There we cannot help you. What did this do? How did you get that? I make all maxes. If it's so nice, I could keep it. All right, all right. Come on, help me out. Uh, so, yeah, they decide to put Andre the Giant and the big dummy on a wheelbarrow and light him on fire. He acts like he's <laughs> the dread, dread Pirate Roberts. Um... And I think another underrated line is like, where's the key? He's like, I don't know what you mean. He's like, Fezzik tears arms off. He goes, oh, you mean this key? Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. But yeah, they pretty much just make the 60 people run away. And the only guy who stays is the guy who's, you know, thinks he's like a big shot because he's working such so high up for the, the prince. But yeah, it's a pretty simple plan. Set him on fire and have everybody run and then... Pretty bold plan to set your... You're a big guy on fire. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that what the Holocaust cloak does? It's like a fire-resistant cloak? <laughs> I have no idea. I wondered how Andre the Giant got out. I'm serious. I'm so confused by that scene. He's on fire. Why doesn't he die? <laughs> Can someone Google Holocaust cloak? I, like, hey, what what does that? that term mean? I don't even know what... Uh, what the, what yeah. is that? Who knows? Just, just for the movie. It doesn't matter. It's a magic cloak. Miracle Max has a flame-resistant cloak. While this is happening outside the mom, I think one of the lines you said the most growing up is happening inside the palace. Um, what's happening? <laughs> so, <laughs> and can you do your impression of... <laughs> of the clergyman? Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> inside the castle, Buttercup is getting married to Prince Humperdinck. Of course, she thinks Wesley is going to come in and rescue her any minute. Um, and she's not willingly getting married. She's just standing there in the ceremony waiting for Wesley. Um, but when they when the clergyman opens his mouth and starts talking, 
it's hilarious um, because you would ex you wouldn't expect his voice to sound like what it sounds like. There's this huge buildup to showing him, like the camera moves yes. in slowly, the music gets all dramatic, and yes. then he says, Marriage. And then it just goes from there. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream. Yeah, it, it's that's another quotable thing too, mm -hmm. where people always say marriage just like that. True love. Yes, true love. What brings us here today? A dream within a dream. <laughs> uh, Josh, I, I, I thought you might like this part. Like you said, you haven't seen this movie. How many times have you seen this movie? Do you think? I think this is probably probably my second or third time, like all the way through. <gasps> my, yeah, my mom disapproves. No, yeah. I, was, I guessed. So do I. <laughs> I've I've well, seen like all the parts separately so many times. It's like hard to like fathom, but like truly, like yeah, seeing the movie all the way through is. On, I think it's the second time. So yeah, what what's your question, Pap? Play for your daughters. Hmm. That's a good point. I'm not even allowed to show them the new Barbie movie yet. It's a four quadrant movie, Josh. Four it's for everyone movie. In the It's PG 13. They're not 13 it's yet. It's PG. It's 80s it's PG. PG is. That in means there, it's basically R today. <laughs> PG 13 means ScarJo can go nude. That's not PG 13 of the 90s. Mm. I don't think it's actually ScarJo going nude, though. She said it was. She They interviewed her about it. It's probably a prosthetic. Anyway, my question, my question <laughs> was, Josh, <laughs> I've seen this movie like a hundred times and I've always like, I don't know, I'm always surprised by how rousing Inigo Montoya's vengeance is. Like, it's like, it's almost like Helm's Deep level of me getting like excited. Can you just take us through his vengeance and his very quotable line? You really did it best, Pap. At the top of the pod. What is the exact line? I know you have he it written. He doesn't know it. Hello. My name is Pappy Montoya. I'm here with my mother. Prepare to spoil. <laughs> There's like... If you've watched like WWF, which has now become WWE recently, right? Wasn't that just a couple of years ago? Um, no. Over 20. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch any WWE, I think this plays a lot of the classic beats. Montoya has like his signature moves. He has some skills he's good at. He has a motto. And just when you think he's all the way dead and down, he's been stabbed in the stomach and in both arms. That's such a good point, Josh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he there's no crowd, but he starts a rallying cry of his own. And it's this one line he's been saying, but now he's going to use it to like gain energy and power and more <laughs> platelet. Up. Also more platelets in his blood to uh, stave the severe blood loss caused by the stomach wound in particular. His tummy <laughs> wound is scabbing over. <laughs> yes. 
Senora Montoya, you killed my father. Prepare to die. Hello. My name is Diego Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Hello. My name is Diego Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. I don't know, Pappy, what do you think? As he starts to chant this and really get into the fight, is this like one of your favorite parts of the movie? Oh, yeah. I I don't know. It's like I said, dude, Manny Patankin is so fucking amazing in this role. Like he really is. And he's got this energy like behind his eyes you know it's it's so hard to explain like on a podcast but he just the way he looks at the six-fingered man and then he starts to get more and more pumped and like starts to gain the upper hand in this fight and then even like toys with him a little bit at the end like i don't know just him shouting that line like louder and louder every time it it gets me going I love it, Steve. Also, Steve, what do you think? Oh, yeah. yeah go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, Brett. No, go ahead, Brett. Sorry. Go ahead, Brett. It's really cool, like the, I don't know what would you call it, parallelism, whatever, of he gives Tyrone uh, all, <laughs> the same wo- all the same wounds that he gave him. So mm-hmm. he gives him the two slices on the face. He stabs him in the left shoulder, the right arm, and then finally in the stomach, which is exactly the five things that Tyrone gave him. I think that's really cool. Uh it's done pretty subtly in my opinion as well so and then he gets him he gets Mm -hmm. him to offer him everything that he has oh yeah i love that and still refuses it and asks for his father back oh such a kind of that goosebumps definitely a theme in this movie is that like tit for tat aspect brett because if you remember that scene the the section of the movie that you said is like a masterpiece or whatever like yeah. Uh, Wesley doesn't kill Montoya because he shows him class. He helps him up. He gives him time to recover. Gives him a yeah. sporting chance. And he wants he, he, and he wants him to be able to fulfill his thing too. Yeah, because he has like a noble cause. And then he doesn't kill Andre the Giant because he when he throws that first boulder, he's like, I could have smashed your brains in. <laughs> yeah. And so he could have choked him out to the death, but instead he doesn't. And with Vicini, Vicini was so ready to just poison his ass. Oh, so he just kills. <laughs> I'm understanding that more. That's a good point. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, they're noble. That's like kind of what we were saying earlier. Like, why are they so likable and Vicini's such a scumbag? And you kind of just pointed out there that the two guys are not bad people. They believe in rules and fairness and... Bassini, I mean, yeah, he he'd do anything just to to just win, to keep so. a park, just to keep a parking place in New York City. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. What? what do you want? Go around me. I'm looking for spaces. Oh, George, there's a space right there. Oh, beautiful. Look at that, that dream space right in front of Jerry's building, yeah. huh? Yeah, dreams can come true. What did I tell you? One thing that I think is really impactful uh, with the Inigo Montoya scene 
you know, I wet my father back, you son of a bitch part, is it's so well placed because there's little to zero cussing in this movie. Mm-hmm. And like the out. emphasis of that makes it stand out so well. And you also get a groundswell of score behind it, like once Tyrone is dead. Yes. It's fantastic. Like it's mm-hmm. it's honestly one of those I think it's why it brought the house down. We went went to see it, you know, at the theater. It's like you know, he's getting his revenge, but the way it happens, because there's so little cussing in this movie, is it just kind of caps it off really nicely. Yeah. I remember being like a little kid and being like, oh, like when he says that. Yeah. Guys, though, any little bitty, bitty, bitty part of you thinks he should have spared him. No. Not one iota. No. No. Okay, fair enough. Or Stacy said no. That's Josh it. Josh was so ready to kill the 11 year old Inigo yeah. Montoya, but yeah. he's going to spare Count Rugen. <laughs> Josh's next pod. God. Was Tyrone really that bad? Yeah, yeah Tyrone did nothing wrong. <laughs> Wasn't his fault he was born with six fingers? <laughs> a lot to overcome in a lifetime. There's like a really small line too, because while, while this is happening, Wesley's in Buttercup's bed chambers. Prince Hopperdink comes in, and you guys are talking about like sort of like parallelism in in the script, or just like things kind of falling back on themselves, or just things being like repeated. Uh, Prince Hopperdink goes, "I think you're bluffing," and Wesley goes, "It's conceivable." And it's just like so funny because Vincini's been yelling "inconceivable" for like the first thirty minutes of the movie. Just really clever, but. Mikey, can you just take us out here? What happens at the end of of the Princess Bride? The, the story within the story. Yeah. Uh, so the prince uh, Wesley and the princess uh, they live happily ever after. But we go back out to Fred Savage and his grandpa, and Fred Savage has been kind of. At the beginning, he did not want anything to do with the story, and then uh, he just got the, his curiosity kind of overtook his pride uh, in the book. Uh, he was more interested in how it was going to end as uh, his grandpa read farther and farther along, and he'd interrupt him, and and uh, the grandpa would be like, uh, can, can I finish the fucking story here? Like, do you want me to stop, or, or are, are you good? Can I uh, keep going? And so he was just kind of messing with him, and then uh, he finishes the story, and Fred Savage, uh, he asks if Grandpa can come back over and read it to him again the next day, and uh, his grandpa leaves saying, as you wish, which Josh alluded to in the beginning, that it's, a, it's his grandpa's way of saying I love you, which is, when I heard it, I was like, oh man, that is such a amazing final line to end this whole movie because the beginning of the movie doesn't start exactly with that line but it's so far in the beginning that again it's like another parallelism in inside the movie it's and it's also su- super sweet so josh is pretty disappointed that the grandpa didn't strangle the kid <laughs> <laughs> can you believe the grandpa spared the sickly boy <laughs> also like Fred Savage literally yells the first page so when's it gonna get good he's literally on the first page mm-hmm. yeah. I th- it is so sweet to think of the grandpa's love for f- little Fred Savage being like as pure as like the love uh, like the true love or whatever 
And you get the sense that like he would do anything for little Fred Savage. And it's not even mm-hmm. out of like horniness or anything like that. It's just actually Jeez, out of what? true love. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think No, that, it's just like, a grandson. I get I get what you're when saying. Two, when like a healthy young couple is in love, there's always that cynicism yeah. that's like, yeah, I guess they're in love, but they really just kinda wanna have sex, like in bang. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Anyway, sorry, that got really awkward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's normal. No. <laughs> no, no, I, I I see what you're saying. It's yeah, they're a family, but I I don't know. Just like speaking of awkward, it's just the way like Peter Falk leaves the room. Like I don't know why it makes me laugh, but he just kind of like, oh, okay, all right, and he just kind of looks around and goes, so long. He's <laughs> walking out. Like I don't know. It's just really funny. He's just like I don't a think really we've believable. Talked grandpa. about Peter Falk enough. Like he's awesome in this movie too. Columbo himself. Yeah, I yeah, was waiting for him to turn so around funny. and solve a case. Yeah. <laughs> but Josh, yeah, I have like a friend. question for you. Who's the Please. best savage? Ben or Fred? Well, is Ben oh. running for some sort of like representative? Fred's uh, a lot more talented. I'll tell you that right now. But who has the better hair? Oh man, Boy Meets World was pretty solid. Mm. Right, I'm not saying that. I'm. But I think Fred's a better actor. He does writing and directing, and like Josh said, he's running for something. President? No. Senate? Ben Savage is running for Congress because, quote, it's time to restore faith in the government by offering reasonable, innovative, and compassionate solutions. Oh, my God. He's reading off the donation card. (laughs) I I don't know. Well, it's just the first thing that popped up on Google. I literally don't even know if he's like... Red or blue or whatever. It's just he's running for something. It's I like Ben more, by the way, Stevie. I like Ben more. I'm just saying. I think why would Fred? I already talented. said I love Fred Savage. He's my boy, but he's made mistakes. So yeah, he's the one that should be running for office. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, Fred Savage is just like so grossed out about the concept of even Wesley and the princess yeah. saying "I love you" to, or not even saying "I love you," but like just being interested in each other and he was like is this going to be a kissing book and then he gets by the end horny by the end yeah yeah, yeah. and then by the end of there's a lot what? of smut in here kid <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's his famous catchphrase what's his catchphrase oh what is it colombo he's got a catchphrase i thought from a show just one more thing Oh yeah, that's what it is. Yep. Oh yeah. Mm. Nice. I think it's interesting too. I think you can draw a parallel at the beginning of their relationship between Buttercup and Wesley. They don't really express their feelings to each other at all. Right. Well, um, the child and Grandpa don't express feelings to each other mm. either. Oh, we're rhyming and. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's that. I think that's similar how the relationships are. You gotta mm-hmm. wonder just how huge, little tiny, cute-cheeked Fred Savage sitting there, looking up at his grandpa, saying, "Well, maybe you could come back tomorrow and read the book again." Like that's so big for the grandpa. He's been waiting. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Sixty-eight years mm-hmm. for that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's as emotional as Mikey gets, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Mikey expresses himself through the soundboard. That's the equivalent of as you wish. Um, any any final thoughts, boys? I think we're here in final thoughts. Anything we missed? Anything else, Mom? You, you wanted to bring up? Anyone? Well, is there anything else in in your live show that you saw? Like any little tidbits that maybe like sprang to the surface while we had this conversation? I'd love to know, like Andre the Giant story. Obviously, I don't know. Um, I remember. So one of the stories that Carrie Ellis told was that Andre the Giant had like an ATV that he brought to set, <laughs> and he was like daring him to ride it, like egging him on, egging him on. And like Carrie Elvis ended up like breaking his toe, oh, riding this thing. It was like on the third day of shooting and he was just like terrified. Yeah, it broke it and you can see apparently in the movie, uh, when he sits down, he has to have like his leg completely out and he limps at one point too. Mm. And the way the story went, thanks for the reminder, Drew, is that um, Carrie Elwes was terrified that Rob Reiner would find out. He thought he'd get fired from the movie and you know, you're not supposed to do things that could get yourself hurt. And um, so when he finally was face to face with Rob Reiner and, and Carrie was pretending everything was okay, even though his foot was on fire, Rob Reiner actually knew about it because he said it was all over the walkie talkies. He knew about it as soon as it <laughs> happened. <laughs> So he he was kept in the movie. They had to call in their set nurse to to help him. (laughs) Yeah, what would you do for said toe injury, Nurse Stacy? Yeah, good question. What do you do for something like that? It's like when Aragorn kicked the helmet, right? How do you treat this? It depends on how deformed it is. If it's not if it's not too (laughs) deformed, (laughs) you can just splint it and and buddy tape it to the next toe and let it do its healing. If it's like really crooked and going in different directions, uh, then it needs a little more intervention. <laughs> now that can't be a medical term that you actually use, right? You have a kid come into your office and you're like, you hold up an x-ray and got a pretty deformed, fucked up toe in your kid. Is that what yeah, you tell like pretty funny there, kid. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> we might call your mom. Yeah. So uh, is this like a one-off for Cal- Carrie Elwes, uh, like him going around watching this movie, or does he do this pretty often? Is this like a I traveling think he thing? wrote a book about it. I mean, like I think he talks about it and stuff. Um, he does a lot of interviews, and they just did the reunion. I don't remember when, but some recently. Most of the people are happy about it. like Wallace Shawn, I believe, was famously like not pumped when people came up and knew him from the movie. Uh, it's not like he wasn't proud, but he like got annoyed by it. Mm. Um, but he, I think he is a thespian. came around. <laughs> <laughs> Two, An three, actor of the highest order. Couple of different movie clubs here. Uh, Chris Sarandon, definitely three movie club. Yeah, I could uh, hear Jack Skellington in a few lines he yeah. was saying. It was kind of cool to hear that. Plus, you know, Child's Play. Chucky, he's a cop. Mm-hmm. Vicini is Rex in Toy Story. It's pretty yep. cool. Yes. Yeah. 
Had a pretty. Uh, he also did a movie called My Dinner with Andre yeah, the which Giant. Which is like a really famous movie. It's like a bottle episode. It's like just takes place in the restaurant. I've been wanting to watch mm-hmm. it. So. Does he kill him with one punch at the end? It's not a kid. It's a grown up. I don't know. I'm I know he's terrible. Obsessed he's... with child death. <laughs> Wait, what? All right, Jafar. All right, Jafar. Uh, we know Jafar. Just one more thing, to... kid. I'm going to shoot <laughs> you. I got a final thought I can throw in there. Yes. I hope they never remake this movie. Good because take. Ooh, that's a tall ass. take. Yeah. Wait, but John I, Cena I think... could play Andre the Giant's character. John Cena. Oh, that'd be horrible. The Rock is the Cena. <laughs> I think every person oh, is Vin Diesel perfectly in this movie. And I. I just think if they tried to remake this, it would be hideous. So I hope they never try it. We all know who would be Wesley. It'd be Timothy Chalamet. Oh, fuck. Wispy lad. So wispy. You guys got, got any other life. recasting ideas? If they're going to do this now? Uh, Mandy Patinkin as Amigo Montoya. <laughs> I don't have friends, and I don't have a father anymore. Pedro Pascal should be Montoya. Pedro, he does everything. Just don't do it. It's right. the worst I, idea. I did read somewhere that they were maybe going to do a table reading, kind of like the Friends cast did, and you know where they all sat around a table and read the right. script again. I that would be, I think, entertaining. Although many of the people have probably passed. Brett, that's right up yeah. your alley. Good point. Who's dead? Who's mostly dead? Oh yeah, so Andre the Giant's dead. Uh, that's, I mean, the old people are dead, like the king, I'm sure. But everyone else is probably alive. Anybody kill themselves? Ooh. Um, this has just come to you assuming people are dead. We need the facts. Yeah, what? <laughs> what the hell? Listen, the old ones I are mean, dead. I mean, Brett, you I, always had these lined up. <laughs> Andre the Giant's dead. Uh, Peter Falk is dead. Uh, Peter is Carol Kane? Still uh, she's alive. The, the guy who says Mowage hmm. is dead. Uh, the albino's oh, dead. Man. The albino's dead, mm. guys. I'm sorry. Aww. Queen's long dead. Sadly, yeah, I mean. sadly, the ancient booer is dead, and that actually scared me as a kid. That scene. The <laughs> boo. Oh, I still do that. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I still do that. Yeah. The king king is long dead. What are your favorites? I mean, lots of dead people, guys. Ooh, Nurse Stacy. <coughs> recast it. Recast it. What if they did a new Princess Bride, but it was the big show instead of Andre? I was thinking the Ooh. same thing, Josh. Does it's you even know worse. Who the big show is? It's, no, it's what's so the big show? What are you talking about? He's just He's a, a big giant guy. Yeah. He wrestled. He can barely walk now. His name's. Paul White. Oh, it's a person. Oh. It would be so sacrilegious if they redid it. Mostly because no one can replace the Fred Savage role in my eyes. That's why I say this. Yeah, that's... Well... What if it was Fred Savage, though? Kind of like in a Clifford-type situation. (laughs) Don't rope me in like that. Why you got to do that to me? The one child Josh doesn't want to kill. <laughs> Tiny Fred Billy Seth. Crystal wouldn't need any makeup. Yeah, he could do yeah. that. Hey, oh, now. Whoa. <laughs> hey, now. Hey, now. <laughs> All right. I think, we're, I think we're probably good on final thoughts. Um, 
See if I had anything else. Yeah, the only thing that I had was like uh, one of our friends, Cinestudy. I think one of his magnum opus podcasts. It's like the three-hour podcast he did on Princess Bride. Um, I, I've listened to it in the past. I don't want to re-listen to it right before because I didn't want to steal anything that he said. But check out the Cinestudy pod if you're looking just for more Princess Bride content. But Great shout out. Without further ado, let's get into yes or no. Um, I have it written down in the order that we'll play the trivia game in which my mom will be a participant. Woo-hoo. Uh, but we'll start with Stevie, who was at the uh, the live showing that we went to. Princess Bride, yes or no? Pap, is this considered a cult classic? I would just call it a classic classic. I don't know. Uh, you said box office. It didn't do well. And it makes me think. Yeah, it did. Game. So, how do I put this? Make it be nervous. This movie is a bona fide classic. This is like one of the hardest of yeses I can give. It's a perfect runtime. It's perfectly acted. The jokes still land. The screenplay is awesome. The set design is amazing. The direction's awesome. I have nothing negative to say about this movie whatsoever. But this movie also makes me incredibly sad because I just feel like we're in an age right now where things are made and things are forgotten to never be brought back again. Mm. Um, especially when you have movies coming to theaters. And two weeks later, when they hit digital so quickly, um, it's really deflating and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I just think this movie is so timeless. And I'll probably watch this movie again in another six months. You know, my wife and I both love this movie. Being going to the theater to watch this and just hear the crowd, you know, say the lines with the movie and everybody just being so excited and really just having good camaraderie in the crowd. That was really neat. And with this movie being, you know, what is it now, 35 years old, 36 years old, um, it's just really neat to see this movie's lasted the test of time. So hardest of yeses. Uh, this is definitely in my top 100 films of all time. So really happy you got to spoil it. And thank you, Nurse, for coming on the podcast and also picking this movie. Oh, thanks definitely. for letting me be on. Well, pa- Pappy made us. Yeah, and the one thing is all about the... <laughs> yeah. This joking, movie. joking. One of the things I loved about the crowd, dude, the credits are really good in this movie, and it shows like the actor when it shows the credits, yeah. like, like their name. Yeah. I fucking love that. Like that's so much better, and like the people are just going crazy, like, like for Predator? every name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a nice nineties, like nineties Nickelodeon. Is it? Yes. Is it classy? Like that. Is it a classy cinema touch? Is it Pierkino? I'm not sure. I just I wish they bring back the the blooper outtakes at the end of movies. Those are always fun. Yeah. <laughs> Rush hour two, baby. Rush hour yeah. two. Yeah. Yes. Never get better you than that. You think it's Kathy Carter? <laughs> uh, Brett, your yes or no? All right. So I have a few things to say. One, I I think it's a crime that, and I hope they redo this list, but that my name is Inigo Montoya quote is not in AFI's top one hundred. Uh, it's way better than a lot Should of be. those quotes. Uh, a lot yes. of them were like really out. I mean, it's you can't tell me that's not a hundred times better than Bonnie and Clyde. We rob banks. That's just dumb. <laughs> we oh rob banks. God. It's literally a, it's in the AFI top one hundred. We rob banks. I would never guess that. Was- and they don't even rob mm-hmm. banks. They're terrible. Anyway, uh, I I don't know if I've been on record here, but I've been on record saying before that I think I think it's the best script of the eighties. And I don't mean that hyperbolically at all. I think uh, it's written by like an absolute legend, uh, William Goldman. Um, he wrote the book, 
wrote the book, but he literally didn't write the book. <laughs> Wasn't Ghostbusters in the 80s? Yeah, that's a lot of ad-libbing, though. That's why I don't uh, say that. But That's your jam. That's your first spoiler. What? Hey, can I? Can I finish? My brother got that joke I just made. That's for you, Brian. Um, the, re- the true super fan of spoilers. Um, so, yes, this movie is... This is in my top ten favorite movies. It's... Uh, I've seen it dozens and dozens of times. I think it's a perfect movie. Like Pappy said that a few times. I don't. I agree with that 100%. Uh, just the dialogue is incredible. We talked about it all. The performances are awesome. It's as hard as a yes I can give. Um, uh, I think that's about it. Oh, uh, someone mentioned it, but Mark Knopfler, the score is really funny and really good. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a great musician, so. It's not that surprising, but love it. it it's just, like Steve said, it's timeless. The jokes still hit. It's it's a delight. It's awesome. Quick note on the screenplay that I forgot to bring up. Yeah, you, know, you said William Goldman wrote Butch Cassie and the Sundance Kid too. This was like considered the greatest screenplay that was never made into a movie for like twenty years and was like floating around and like wow. A bunch of random people had the rights. Like Robert Redford had the right for like, rights to what? it for like ten years. He does and not get along with William Goldman. And well, boys, he's dead. he's dead. But you know what I mean. Fr- Francois Truffaut had the rights, so this could have been a sequel to the Breathless podcast. Oh my gosh! Direct the Princess Bride. But Mikey, you were on the Breathless podcast. What, what say you for Princess Bride? Yeah, I don't know if Nurse Malcolm is aware, but. Sometimes we rate things on Viggo Mortensen's uh, girth and hardness of his wiener. So <laughs> this is a rock I, hard. I, she knows. I've heard that. Yes. It's pronounced. <laughs> this has like got to be the one of the hardest yeses I think I can give a movie that we've done. Just so funny, so timeless. Great physical comedy. Um, choreography with the sword fighting set design everything that we've mentioned just so so amazing uh for the time and even still today uh there's like no cgi at all in this thing and uh just refreshing to see something that's real on screen every once in a while uh i know that sounds like a very low bar but it's really not it's much harder to do it do things that way um and this movie, I mean, every every line, like as soon as the movie starts to the very last line in the in the movie is just so well thought out, funny, heartwarming. Anything you want from this movie, you can get because it's a four quadrant movie. It's it's a it, it's appealing to everybody. I, I don't know how else to say it, but it's just such a great movie. Uh, yeah, I think I'll buy this movie on an actual nice. disc because I do want to watch it again and see special features and stuff because uh, it's I've only seen it two or three times now, but I definitely want to watch it more often. It's a very great movie. And it's on Disney, by the way, for mm-hmm. free. But it's also on Criterion, and it's literally my favorite oh, yeah, Criterion case I've ever seen. It's freaking amazing. It's so cool looking. Got a cool book on the inside. Yeah, it's it's nice. I recommend it. Um, 
Josh. Hi, Josh from Goshen. This is a huge yes, obviously. It's, it's you can't really watch this movie without getting like charmed into it and just following along. Probably if you've watched it two times like me all the way through, or if you've watched it a hundred times, doesn't really matter. Like Pappy has done and like Mikey will do in the future, it sounds like. <laughs> but I wanted to like I, I feel like we didn't talk about Robin Wright quite enough. So for oh, yeah, my, right. yeah. my yeah, yes or no, like first of all, she's like she's beautiful in this movie. She does a really good job of acting all throughout it. But I think what I noticed was like Robin Wright, while she's been a beautiful wo- woman her whole career, she has this like other side to a lot of her characters. This like suicidal dark streak comes out here in this movie Jenny. where yes, Jenny yeah. does that. You get a lot of that in uh what's the not Game of Thrones, but the Kevin Spacey House Oh of House of Cards. Yes. Uh I don't know. That's just kind of like a stereotype or something like it's her thing, right? Like a beautiful woman that's smart and elegant and uh, heroic, but also like isn't is prepared to kill herself. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but Robin White, right? Tip of the hat to you. Thanks uh, for our listeners and most biggest thanks to Nurse Stacy can't believe you're on the pod tonight it's actually pretty surreal oh it's awesome i hope the listeners love it as much as me like the pappy lore you let leak like in the first five minutes of the movie <laughs> or of the podcast i mean so delicious i love it Thanks. people are gonna be like drew who's drew yeah she said drew Oops. during this yeah. podcast at one point too no, i'm named after pappy o'daniel her favorite character <laughs> in her favorite movie what is pappy short for apathy yeah. Uh, speaking of Pappy, I'll go next. This did happen once upon a time when things were not so complex, and how he worshipped the ground she walked, and when he looked in her eyes, he became obsessed. My love is like a storybook story, but it's as real as the Yeah, hard yes, but yeah, just mostly thank you for being such a good mom. I love you. Oh, gosh. Thanks for supporting me. You're the Boo. best. Uh, oh. Thanks for coming on the podcast and taking me to the library to rent Princess Bride when we were growing up. So, the Mormon hard version? yes, and a big hug for my mom. Aww, thank you. Thank you, bud. All right, you're up. Um, oh, you guys are so sweet. Yes, definitely a hard yes for me, too. Um, like I said, I have a list of two favorite movies, and this is one of them. Um, so I know this isn't the type of movie that you guys typically spoil. So it just extra warms my heart that you are willing to do this for me, because it's, it's so fun to hear people enjoy something as much as I do. So thank you so much, everyone. And I can't believe I'm actually a podcaster. Yeah, even though it's yeah. just a, a one time, one and done. Um, but thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank you, Mom. And if you've you listened- You only need to do it once to not be a virgin. So, you know. 
Thanks. Gosh. Thanks, Brett. Here we go. Brittany just gave me the Why? WTF look. Why the hell didn't Pappy say as you wish right there? You fucking blew it, you loser. Oh, yeah. As you wish. Aww. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> yeah, that's Sorry. terrible. Can we re-edit that ending? I don't know. Just say yeah, as you wish now. Like a, a really crappy edit of just me saying as you wish. <laughs> <laughs> no. As you wish. My answer now. Yes. But mom, if you've listened to this every episode of Spoilers for the last five years, you've probably heard quite a bit of trivia. Would you like to play some trivia with the boys tonight? I'd love to. Yeah. Okay. Do I need to turn around or? No, I have it on my phone. Okay, I won't look. I, I should can take okay. my glasses off. There's no way I'll see anything. Yeah, I don't, you don't need to do that, but oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the game tonight, uh, I, I didn't have a good name for it. A Grim Brothers Falsy Tales. The I, I don't I couldn't think of a name, but it's multiple choice. Three of these are the titles of actual Grim Brother fairy tales. One of these I made up yes. from my own brain. <laughs> Two strikes, you're out. The order will be Stevie, Brett, Mikey, Josh, Mom. The winner gets a hot take and gets to toss it to Spoiler Man. Stevie, do you understand the game? You, you ready to go? Explain it one more time. So, there's four choices. Yeah. Three of them are the ac- are actual titles okay. of Grim Brother fairy tales. One of them I made up. You have to pick Are you ready? Is one of the titles "Is You Is" or "Is You Ain't My Constituents"? Mm, I can't. <laughs> I can't tell you. All right, let's do it. All right, question one: Which one of these is not real? The glimmering grotto and the dancing fireflies, the turnip, the fox and the cat, or Cinderella? Which one of those did I make up? can reread any of those if you want. Just because you one time told our sixth grade teacher I was born on a turnip farm in Mexico, I'll say the turnip. <laughs> I don't think I said that. <laughs> <laughs> More pappy lore. <laughs> but sorry, no, the turnip Gosh. is an actual Grim Brothers fairy tale. I made up the glimmering grotto and the dancing fireflies. <sighs> the grotto, I should have known. It came known. from my brain. Brett, are you ready? Yep. It's one strike for Stevie. Okay, which one of these is not real? The blue light, snow white, the frozen flame and the queen's spell, or the raven? Uh, I'll say the raven. Ooh, sorry, Brett. That's a strike. The frozen flame and the ice queen's spell. I made that up. Yeah, it does sound made up by you and not the Grim Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mikey. Are you ready? Yes. Uh, possible. I I would like to say that I did randomize these questions. There was no no favoritism shown. Yeah, we know. We've seen your favoritism. Mikey, which one of these is not a Grim Brothers fairy tale? 
Iron John, Rapunzel, The Singing Bone, or The Boy with the Greasy Hands? <laughs> wow. The boy with the Papa John hands. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with the boy with the greasy hands. Correct. It's also known as Pap Grease. I made, I made that up, believe it or not. Ah. He's been selling it to a Papa John's fairy tale John for the ages. Yeah. I feel like that's your mom's Four quadrant favorite gag on the podcast. <laughs> it's never really made sense, but whatever. Josh. Yes. Which one of these does not make sense as an actual fairy tale? The Salad, Hansel and Gretel, An Old Man from Berlin, or Tom Thumb? I don't know if salads were even around back then, Pat. <laughs> I'm going to go with the salad. <laughs> the big salad? I'm sorry. That's an actual Warner Brothers fairy tale. These guys are not very good at titles. <laughs> and, an old man from Berlin was made up by me. Toss salad. Okay, Mikey. <laughs> or, sorry, sorry, Mom. To close out round one, the whiskered wizard in the talking teapot, Little Red Riding Hood, the brother and sister, the poor man and the rich man. I'm going to say brother and sister. Oh, I'm sorry, Mom. That's First a strike. One. I'm impressed. Boo! <laughs> Boo! Okay. I, I'm impressed. My, the whiskered wizard in the talking teapot was not real. Really? Yeah. That sounded so good. Thank you. You're welcome. You helped me learn how to write and read. <laughs> well, I hope that's not true because he is borderline illiterate. I'm sorry. <laughs> Again, right. I'll give a point out. He's, he's an extremely smart person. Just not... At language arts, just, just doesn't reading care. words out loud isn't my strongest. <laughs> it's just reading words left to right, top to bottom. He literally got busted out by an illiterate kid once. <laughs> and holding on to the book because I have greasy hands. But Stevie, the golden hooves and the enchanted cow, the Jew among thorns, oh, no. Rumpelstiltskin, or the ear of corn. Why is it always food? Stay in the game. Golden hooves and enchanted cow. Chew amongst thorns. Rumpelstiltskin or the ear of corn. The what amongst thorns? The Jew amongst thorns. Like Jewish person? Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hard J. Yeah. The J-O-O amongst thorns. Um... I'm gonna go with the first one with the golden hooves. That's correct. Yeah, I made that up. Ooh. Brett to stay in the game. Donkey cabbages, <laughs> the frog prince, the stinky clock, the goose girl at the well. Were these guys illiterate? Whoa, what are these things? <laughs> <laughs> Can you words out of a hat corn? at this point. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, would yeah. make any sense. Donkey cabbages, the frog prince, the stinky clock, the goose girl at the well. I'll say the last one. I'm sorry, Brett, you've been eliminated. The stinky clock. 
I made up. Not a real fairy tale. Mikey, you have no strikes. The pungent time turner. <laughs> <laughs> the 12 dancing princesses, gambling Hansel, Hans and Luck, the golden trail, and the slippery lad. Gambling Hansel. I'm sorry, I made up the golden trail and the slippery <laughs> lad. Slipped on grease, probably. <laughs> Josh to stay in the game. Hans married? The Pied Piper of Hamlin? The Pink? The Wings of Whiskers? The Flying Feline's Tail? That one. I'm seeing a pattern. Yeah, you're right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the pattern was there until mine. If there's way Again, too many are... words, I'm realizing the Grimm brothers are pretty succinct in their tellings, boys. Yeah. Look out then for I got this. the stinky clock, though. <laughs> the bad egg. <laughs> What's for lunch? I like how Pap's order is always like the watermelon. The boy who slipped down a waterfall of grease. <laughs> <laughs> the color blue right. or the man with the greasiest hands in the world. <laughs> the German greasy boy who slipped on a golden trail. <laughs> I'm proud of you guys for context clues. You guys are very smart. Mom. Yeah. Okay. The Bremen Town Musicians, The Young Giant, The Peasant Prodigy's Tale, or The Death of Little Hen. To stay in the game. Could you read those one more time, please? Yeah. The Bremen Town Musicians, The Young Giant, The Peasant Prodigy's Tale, The Death of Little Hen. Or The Stinky Clock. The death of little hen. Ooh, I'm sorry. Brings. It was the peasant prodigy's tale. But well, good job. You didn't have a hot take anyway. You That's said true. so. I didn't. Okay, Stevie, Mikey, Brett. First one to miss loses. And I'm out. I'm out. Wait, did oh, I get? Sorry, I got Stevie, mine. Mikey, Josh. Yeah. yeah, Stevie, Mikey, Josh. Um. Okay, Stevie. Blue light. The Fisherman and His Wife, The Girl Without Hands. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> the Grouchy <laughs> The Grouchy Princess and the Sparkling Smile. Oh, God. <laughs> The Papa John Prince. <laughs> and the garlic butter of gold. Do you need me to repeat those? That <laughs> may be wrong, but the way you read it's too funny, so I'm just gonna say the last one. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a sparkling smile. Why is she so grouchy? Oh my god. Alright, Mikey. The Elves and the Shoemaker, The Peasant in Heaven, <laughs> Albie the Racist Dragon, or The Devil's Scotchy Brother. 
what was that first one? The Elves and the Shoemaker. I'll say the Elves and the Shoemaker. No, sorry, I'll be the racist dragon. Is yeah, a Flight of the Concord song. Racist oh. was a, even a word back then. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing as racism back then. <laughs> That's not not true at <laughs> all. <what> I said. <laughs> well, the word didn't exist, so it couldn't have possibly. Yeah. That's not what I said. Or yeah, what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, to stay in the game. Yeah, I need you to go slowly through these. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sweet porridge. I think that's right. The yeah. goose. Yep. The goose girl. Okay. The red rose of Egypt. Interesting. Stories about snakes. <laughs> I'll go for number three. The red rose of Egypt. Yeah. That's correct. Oh. Red rose of Cairo. Purple rose. Of I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought stories about snakes would get you for sure. <laughs> okay, Stevie. The talking shoe. The Godfather. The juniper tree. Godfather death. Why you gotta do that? Now I see the like Godfather and Godfather death are like a sequel. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> my new metal band. Read through them again. The Talking Shoe, The Godfather, The Juniper Tree, Godfather Death. Take the gun, leave the stinky clock. <laughs> uh, you know what? What year was Grimm around? Were Grimm brothers around? Like 19th century? Early 19th century? You know, I, I know... I'm going to say the talking shoe. Yeah, that's correct. Thank God. Shoes can't talk. Well, they can. It's just got glue and back. Amazing that you didn't pick one of the Godfather answers. Well, that's what was going to trip me up because it makes me think there's a sequel. They were born in 1785 and 1786. When did Left and Right Shoes come out? (laughs) (laughs) What What the hell? I don't know. Jamie looked that up. <laughs> what did they come out? <laughs> Left and right feet came out. Yeah. What did they stop going fakey? For all shoes. Shoes. Josh. Eighteen seventeen yeah. was the first pair of left and right uh, left and right shoes. Wow. Yep. They were alive for both. They were both alive. Hey, nice and nice and slow here. I want to give instant judgment. So. Okay. Thumbling. Okay. The sea hair. Ooh. Like that. That's easily grim. The Princess and the Pea? Yeah, I think I've heard of that one. The Metal Pig. Mm, that sounds fake as fuck. Let's go with <laughs> yeah. Metal Pig. <laughs> A really impressing show, impressive showing by these two trivia masters. Stevie. Sounds like a torture device. Yeah. The Valiant Little Tailor? The brave little tailor, the fox and his cousin, time stops for no mouse. That's a hard one. 
Okay, so it's the valiant little tailor, the brave little tailor. Yes, those are two different ones. The fox and his cousin, whom time stops for no mouse. You know what? I'm just. Let's just try expedite. Uh, I'll say um, the fox and his cousin. Josh is there the winner. Yeah! Time stops for no mouse was a book I read as a kid. So Josh, there you go. Amazing. You have you have the floor. You can take us out here, give us a hot take, and uh, kick it to spoiler man. Here's my hot take. I say, Murder kids. within this calendar year, 2023, <laughs> we need to do the movie Robin Hood Men in Tights yes. with Carrie yeah. Elwes and bring Nurse Stacy back into the mix. It was way too Ooh-hoo. fun tonight to not oh, do this again. That I is my hot to. take. Hey, Blink. Hey, Blinken. Mom, are you up for it? I, I'm in. Yeah. Did you say A. Blinken? <laughs> 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 That's the hot take. Dave Chappelle's in that movie. Let's do that quick. Uh, Nurse Stacy, we toss it to Spoiler Man. Aw. Yeah. Yeah, gee. Take it away, Spoilers Man. Good job, Mom. Thank you. is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Be sure to check out Corey's podcast, Big Dumb Movie. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. Leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Special thank you to our patrons, Druid King. And today I'm gonna read it to you. Brother Brian. Is there any sports in it? Are you kidding? Matt Troll. Fencing, fighting, torture, revenge, giants, monsters. Nick. Chases, escapes, true love, Miracles. The Meg. Doesn't sound too bad. Nurse Stacy. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> the Wolf. I'm no one to be trifled with. That is all you ever need know. Barky 420. And so you might have been truly happy. Peace.
K. He distinctly said to blave, and as we all know, to blave means to bluff. Spencer. Liar! Liar! Gale. Over the Arvano, I think. Swole. I'd make our maxes. If it's so nice, I could keep it. Cheese zombie. That doesn't make you happy? Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die! No! Offer me money. Yes. Power to promise me that. All that I have and more. Please. Offer me everything I ask for. Anything you want. I want my father back, you son of a bitch. That was spoilers.